Hi, this is Steve. And this is Lisa. And this is our podcast. I'm married a history teacher, and we are coming at you from our beautiful studio in even more beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. Beautiful, beautiful, and very humid. But today is actually the last day of what's supposed to be the last heat wave of the summer. I don't know how they decide these things. That would be fantastic. It would be. Because I'm pretty bored. Bored's probably not the right word. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sick of it being 3,000 degrees. This humidity is so boring. <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't you know. It is, I don't know. Maybe it's kind of boring, right? You know, Who wants to go outside and do it's, stuff it's, when it's 1,000 degrees outside? That's true. It's not not boring. Yeah. There no. you go. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, don't, don't talk too much shit, you know? <laughs> I'll talk a medium amount. Yeah. <laughs> nice, you know, as I always say, life's about balance. Um, but anyway, Lisa, we just finished up a four-part epic. Yes, we did. It was yeah. epic. It was There was a lot packed in there. Oh, yeah. It's almost four hours long um, across the four episodes. Wow. That's a um, lot of time. We've got a lot of time on our hands. Uh, well, uh, you know, I don't know. We Minus all the exciting cool things s- that we do. Yeah. <laughs> we, s- we spend a lot of time talking to each other. We might as well record it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not changing anything, really. Yeah. We're just hitting record. For those of you who don't know, Lisa and I are both remote workers. So we both work from home. Just the two of us. <laughs> Almost every day. <laughs> we work on different floors, though. We do work on different floors. <laughs> and then we just yell at each yeah. other from yeah. across. <laughs> Holler. Sometimes we text each other. <laughs> yeah. G-chat. We have all kinds of bugs. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Lisa, I want to keep it light after doing that epic. So we're going to keep it so light that we're going to talk about games tonight. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Lisa. Uh-huh. What's the most quintessential American board game? Uh... Um, what would you guess? What's super popular American? I, I mean, sorry, Settlers of Catan is the only thing coming to mind right now. I know that can't be true because I think it's German. It is German, yeah. But it's Settlers of Catan is probably the greatest board game ever made, except for maybe <laughs> like chess, I guess. Yeah, you were deep into that when we first met. Yeah, um, but no, there's something a little more American that we want to talk about today. Monopoly. Monopoly is it, please? We're going to talk about the history of Monopoly. It is a very strange history. Oh, we're cool. going to get into it. And it's like, you know, we're going to learn a little bit about ourselves and about our country while we do it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, I'm not like a huge game person, but I could definitely. Well, no, you this. didn't have a, a normal interest interest childhood. <laughs> like you didn't play cards. You didn't play games. You didn't watch cartoons. You're like yeah. being a librarian. <laughs> so- I looked like a librarian, but I had a <laughs> wide range of interests. I liked lots of things. I mean, there's so much else to do. I, you know, what I do? I sewed. I did scrapbooking. Irish dancing. You know, whatever works for you. Um, what else? I had lots of hobbies. Yeah. Um, but no, I was not into classic games. I, 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 yeah, I just couldn't really get into it. All right. But, you know. That's fine. Before we get into history, just so we all know, maybe we have some some... Western, no, we're the West, Eastern world listeners that don't understand how Monopoly works. So I'd ask you have 15 seconds to describe what you do in Monopoly. Go. Um, It's a board game. (laughs) You roll dice um, and you move across the board and the goal is to... Move around the board. That's actually key. Not across. Sorry, sorry. Move around the board um, and you try to earn money. You earn money through passing what we call go or I think there's like different cards you can pull to make money and then you want to buy properties and you want to 
um, build them in like usually in concentrated areas and then you can upgrade to more and more properties and you collect rent and then all of a sudden you have all this money or you lose. I mean, yeah, really go either way. You know, I'll take that explanation. I mean, I'm but not, mostly just because everyone freaking knows how to play Monopoly. Right. I think we can move on. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. guys, That wasn't my <laughs> best. I, I probably haven't played in like at least a decade. Yeah. You move around a board. You use your money to buy property, which makes you more money, and then you use the more money to buy more property. And that's pretty much sums it up, yeah? All right, got it. Let's get into the history of Monopoly, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the official history of Monopoly goes back to Philadelphia. A man named Charles Darrow. Now, how many times, Lisa, do you think I'm going to accidentally call this dude Charles Darwin tonight? Ooh, yeah, I'm going to go. Over, under, three. I was going to say two to three, so I guess I'll go under. Are you taking the over or the under? You have, to, you have to bet. I'll go under. You're going under? You yeah. Go I'm not going to bet you, though, because you know you can rig the game. Ah. Or can you? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I have that type of control. <laughs> <laughs> that control over my mind. <laughs> I, can't, I can't control I can't. the words I say. <laughs> I'm not a genius. <laughs> uh, so... Basically, okay, so he's going to invent this game in like 1934-ish. It might have been 1933, okay? Okay, so we're still coming out of the Depression at this point. No, we're, we're in the middle in of the it. Depression. We're in the middle of it. Yeah, so we're in the Depression. And this guy, Charles Darrow, is going to be jobless and desperate. So yes. he's like a victim of the Depression. He's living outside of Philly in a place called Germantown, and he doesn't have a job or money. Okay? okay, so he invents this game called the Monopoly game. Okay, now what's going to happen is he is going to try to sell it to Parker Brothers. Okay, they're going to decline it. So he's going to go around Philadelphia and the shops of Philadelphia and sell prototypes to stores and sell it for a couple years by himself. By 1930. Where did he get his startup funds from? Uh, I think just like it's just very basic. I mean, you basically need, you know, a piece of cardboard that you can put the art on, yeah. the board, and then everything else is just like, you know, basic plastic and stuff like that. Okay. So I don't think anything was too complex that he was doing. Okay. And the Parker Brothers are a well-known game manufacturer at this time. At this point. time. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. And they reject him, so he tries to go to other places and gives them these cardboard prototypes to try to sell them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he successfully sells it himself in Philadelphia. It's so successful. Oh, so he just becomes his own salesman. He's yeah. just sort of selling it like door to it, – oh, is he selling it to individuals? No, or to stores. Just to, to stores. stores. Okay. Okay. Store. So he's going store to store. Store to store. Okay. Yes. And he is going to end up being so successful selling these in Philadelphia that Parker Brothers comes back to him and buys the patent from him. Part of the agreement for this game called the Monopoly game mm-hmm. was that – he got to have some part of the sales of Monopoly. So this game is going to be sort of partially owned by him, even though he sells it to Parker Brothers. Well, he just, he just gets, uh, like, what's that called when, like, Friends gets all that every time an episode plays? Yeah, remittance, is that right? No, that's not right. What is it? Uh, uh, this is embarrassing. Everyone's yelling at us at the podcast right now. Yeah. Um, it's a... <laughs> this is bad. I should have I just had this ready. Yeah, or we should just—it's just. Or we can just describe it. He's royalty. Yeah, royalties. There it is. So he has royalties on every game that's sold. Yeah. All right. Wait. 
That, that's good brain work there, Liz. I'm proud of you. I mean, is it? Uh, fun fact <laughs> is that the original game was based off of London. So all the little properties were London properties. But one of the things they did is they changed it to Atlantic City. Because what is more fun than Atlantic City in the 1930s and more relatable because it's American? Yeah, know that. Okay, yeah. interesting. So that's still the modern day. If you go buy a Parker the, Brothers Monopoly board, it's Atlantic City. But he made it based off of London. And then when Parker Brothers got a hold of it, they were like, you got to Americanize this shit. No, he Americanized it first. Before they sold it to Parker yeah, Brothers. Yeah, because remember, he invented it about two years before Parker Brothers actually bought the patent. So he made some changes and sold it himself to prove its success. Okay. All right. So now it's based off of Atlantic City. Okay. You got to give it that more American vibe, right? Mm-hmm. More relatable to the people buying it. All right. Now, this game, the reason that it is so, you know, popular in America is think about how quintessential this shit is. Lisa. You're buying property, you're moving money, you're throwing money around. It's super capitalistic in nature, it's competitive. There's even a little stupid freaking dog you can be. You know, there's a car, there's a freaking battleship because it's America. You know, it's super American. Yeah, but like, Capitalism wasn't really serving them that well at that point. I mean, literally, it collapsed in on them. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a strange yeah. time for a capitalistic game to soar. I, I, I just what? Lisa, that is an excellent point that I didn't think about. Uh, really? <laughs> you brought that up, yeah. But I mean, part of the problem is is that it didn't become like super well known in America until close to the 60s and 70s. So okay. it is still a popular game in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, okay. but it really takes off into the monopoly that we know it as in like the 60s and 70s and, and continued to grow, like huge. Okay. But that is a really hilarious point. I didn't even think that it was a child of the Great Depression, which was all just because yeah. of unchecked capitalism, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But that is a hilarious point. Um, but anyway... Under normal circumstances, right? I mean, that is American, right? It's super capitalistic. You're buying a house. Like so much of Americana is based off of property ownership, right? Everybody owns a house. You, that's why people came to America in the first place to buy land and own land, it's right? The American dream. It's the American dream. It's the American dream in a freaking box, Lisa. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, even the guy who invented it, this Charles Darrow guy, right? He is the American dream as well, right? He came from nothing. He Pulled himself up from his bootstraps, as Americans love to say, and became a millionaire, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, check, check, check. And in the 1970s, Hasbro, who had bought in, uh, Parker Brothers by this time, had even put this in their little box, a little write-up about him. You can go to Hasbro's website right now, and you can read about Charles Dowro and pulling him up from this bootstrap. It is the American dream. Yeah. That's right? a great story. It Everyone is wants fifth? a great story. Yeah. And it is now, it became, it made him a millionaire, even though he was only getting royalties, right? It made Parker Brothers one of the most successful gaming companies in the world. It is the fifth most bought game in the history of humankind. And the top three don't even have owners. Guess what the top three are? Cards. No, no, cards doesn't again. It has to have a board. Oh, oh sorry. These are board strictly game, board yeah. games. Don't have an owner. They don't have like an inventor or an owner. Ouija board? <laughs> I don't know. I don't dabble in this stuff a lot. Uh, don't ever think. What's the most basic board life. game in the world? No. Basic board games that didn't have an inventor or a patent or anything. Mahjong? No, you have a board with pieces on it. I don't, I don't know. Checkers? Chess? Backgammon? Oh, oh. <laughs> so there's checkers. I was thinking more like, yeah, more interactive. I know, and I was trying to get you there without giving it away, but alas. 
I had to yeah, just tell you. as we've gone over. Right. Yeah, it's just not my forte. Yeah, so those are the top three. I'm going to do a little bit of checkers. I dabble in checkers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I had this, like, online, not online, this, like, weird, janky digital game set that we would take on road trips, and you could do digital checkers, I think. Nice. So that's that was my most. Checkers is lame, though. If you, if you grow up, like, so I was taught how to play chess before I was taught how to play checkers, and I used to play all the time with my uncle, Uncle Kenny, actually. And if yeah. you were taught in the opposite direction, like, if you get chess first and then you're taught checkers, like, checkers seems really boring. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, yeah. I know, you taught me chess, like, uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> the on rainy day in, in Bali. That's super pretentious. Pretentious. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you kicked my ass because yeah. I was still trying to figure out the rules. Right. Um, okay. So, so, so it's pro- from, one of the most popular yeah. games that is actually owned by someone. Yeah. The only other game that has sold more than them that has like an inventor you can pinpoint is Scrabble, actually. Um, but other than that, Monopoly has sold more games. But here's the difference between Scrabble and Monopoly. most popular board game with dice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, the other big difference here is that Monopoly has all sorts of computer games, video games, all sorts of different franchising. It does the Monopoly game at, at McDonald's and Safeways grocery stores. Oh, do you remember that? That yeah. McDonald's Monopoly game? That was so fun. That was so fun. It was so effective for dumb kids. So effective. I wanted to eat there for every meal. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was like has to be top ten. They, they must. They should put that in marketing books. They so don't already have it. Yeah, it's a great ploy. Actually, I majored in marketing in undergrad, and we never talked about that. It's a total oversight. Yeah. Huh. Lisa, Monopoly was so Americana. Uh-huh. It was even banned by Cuba, the USSR, and China. <laughs> it's too capitalistic, too American. That to be fair, like I mean, yeah. that's what they hate. The, well, I don't know so much about Cuba, but uh, based on the Americans, that depicts you know Russians. Um, or Russian spies, they really hate capitalist nature of, yeah. of the West. So I guess that would yeah. that would be a good representation of it. Yeah, and that's that's it, Lisa. That's the story of Monopoly. Um, I guess we'll sign out of here. My name is Steve, and I was a history teacher. You're doing your little psych. Psych. <laughs> not the case, Lisa. We are not done. We're just getting started. <laughs> Huge plot twist coming your way, Lisa. Oh. Uh, the story I just told you is a uh, lie. basically not a lie. It's very <laughs> truthful, but it is a fraction of the story. And once you hear the whole story, it makes everything I just said a crock of shit. Woo! All right. So you ready to really get into this? Yes. All right. I love this. We never had like a yeah, twist like this twist. before. This is like the sixth sense of our podcasts. Huh? No, that didn't, that didn't come out right. <laughs> but you know what I meant. Let's, no, I really don't. You know, like The Sixth Sense. There's a twist in it. Everyone didn't see it coming. And this oh, was, the movie. This like is the movie. my Sixth Sense. Yeah, the movie. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll give it this to is you. my Sixth Sense, by this the way. This is your masterpiece. Because it's all downhill from here. Shyamalan didn't make a <laughs> single good movie after that. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're peaking right now. No, this I'm not peaking. What, I'm not well, Shyamalan. You shouldn't drop I'm better this. than Shyamalan. Well, don't compare yourself too much. All right. So anyway, the first patent of the real Monopoly can actually be traced all the way back to 1904. It was invented in 1902 by a woman named Elizabeth Maggie <gasps> or Lizzie Maggie. OMG. Woman trampled on history yet again. <laughs> yes, but this is not what you think it is. This is not a piggyback off of the 10 most influential women and how they are all robbed of their you know, their achievements. Okay, this is something different. 
Okay, what's your name again? Elizabeth Li- what? Elizabeth Maggie. Okay. I'm going to call her Lizzie Maggie, because that's what her friends called her. That is an adorable name. Yeah, absolutely. And he, she originally made it to be called the Landlord's Game, and it was pretty similar to what we play now. There's actually two different phases, but now we just play phase one of her game. Okay? Huh. But we don't need to get into the details of that. Okay. All right? But the game, even though she had put a patent in on 1904, it was very unofficial. Okay, and what I mean by that is like it wasn't like being mass produced by a Parker Brothers type game tycoon. It was like largely homemade and being passed around from people to people. And then every now and then people would make their own version of the game using household stuff. All right, so a lot of the times if you were getting yourself a box of Monopoly, uh-huh. okay, or as it was called, a landlord's game, mm-hmm. it was given to you in a nameless box. Sometimes it wouldn't even have of uh rules in it. Mm-hmm. It would just the words were passed verbally. The the rules were passed verbally a lot of the time. And because it didn't have a name on it, people eventually just started calling it the Monopoly game naturally. Wow. It's kind of like the sister to the traveling pants, but instead of pants it's a board game. Yeah, sure. I like that metaphor, I think. I've never really seen that movie, but based it's on the It's a context. shitty movie. But you know, a halfway decent book for for preteens. Okay, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um now the way the names were gotten back then of all the different properties mm-hmm. um, is that if it got popular in mm-hmm. a certain area, let's say Reading, Pennsylvania, for example, yeah. then they would sort of change it to alter some of the properties to be a property. It was big in Chicago, so they would sort of alter some of the properties so, to be Chicago properties. Oh, like when it was like making its way organically being passed around. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought you meant like yes. they were like... Hmm, what are the hot real estate markets in the country? Like, scratch no, that. No, Reading's no, no. all the rage. Um, okay, so literally people are just, like, adding in their, their mark and being like, mm-hmm, well, we can't mm-hmm. have, we can't not include Chicago on this or something. Yes. Okay. So two big places. And, like, some of them would stick and some wouldn't. So between Chicago, trivia, between Chicago and Reading, Pennsylvania, who got a property to actually stick through the ages? Do you know? Um... They both sound well. There wasn't there. Shit, I don't know. I I don't. I don't feel like incriminating myself right now. I'm making myself sound. It's just board game trivia. Who cares? I don't know. I feel like Chicago made it on there. Yeah, you'd think, but it was Reading, Pennsylvania. I knew it was Reading. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I knew it was one of the two. (laughs) Apparently, many. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. You you know. Yeah, I know. It's like coming second in a tennis match. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Exactly. Uh, you know, apparently there was like a Lakeshore Drive for a while, but it didn't didn't stand the test of time. Yeah, where Reading Railroad did. I was gonna say railroad, and that was I was like, no, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. you're wrong. Now, Lisa, y'all, a huge place where it was popular was Atlantic City, New Jersey. Ironically, because there was a giant Quaker population that lived there. Yeah, well, they and got the nothing Quakers else to do. Quakers loved Monopoly. Well, that's a good point. I guess they have a lot less going Making on. furniture and... They can't go gamble, that's for sure. No, heck no. Yeah. Um, okay, this is actually kind of adorable because it's like, it's kind of made of America. Like, it was passed around and people really put their stamp on it all over the country. That's so mm-hmm. adorable. It is. It's nice. It's a nice it little nice. touch. That's a much better. Why do I stick with their bullshit story? Anyways, oh, I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah. I'm not done here. <laughs> no, I know. You're excited, so I can tell there's more to go. <laughs> now, Lisa, uh-huh. do you happen to know a city 
just 60 miles northwest of Atlantic City. Very large one. I mean, is that just New York? No. 90 miles? 60. 60 miles. Inland. Northwest. North. Inland. Is Philadelphia. Northwest of... Atlantic City. Okay. Yeah, Philadelphia. Just 60 miles away. Philadelphia. Right? Philly's north of... Yeah, coastal geography is really tough to keep track of. Yeah. Yeah, I live here, and I'm still like, we're that close to that? Yeah. Wow. And when we drive from D.C. to Baltimore, we're heading more east than we are north, which blows people's minds. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So, Philly. Uh, Yes. So, Philly, right? This is all starting to come full circle. So, as this game is getting passed around, it makes its way to Philadelphia. Uh Uh-huh. And then it finds its way into a home of a couple called the Todds. And the Todds love playing this game. And they invite their friends over, Esther and Charles Darrow, who will play this game for the first time. Love it. And he's going to leave. And Charles, who has no job, is going to be like, I can't get this game out of my mind. So he tracks down official rules for the game and makes his own prototypes of this game, which is what he is going to pitch to Parker's brothers, get the patent, and get all the credit for inventing the game. And this is in the middle of the Depression, though. This is back to the 1930s. Huh. Wow. So everything we talked about with going back to Lizzie Maggie... Uh going all the way up to the 1930s, if it's spreading all around certain cities in America, that's all leading up to it being found by this guy, Charles Darrow. Almost 30 years later. Yes. Wow. Thousands and thousands of people have already played this game, but he is the one that goes to set the patent. Okay? Now, after Parker Brothers bought the game... They went around because they kind of figured out that it had been spread all over the place and people had played different versions of the game. So they yeah. bought up any patent that was similar to his patent that they were buying. So other people had tried to do what he did. No, but no, they no, 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 no. People had made similar versions and different things. and So kind of, I guess. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like they all tried to do what he did. But he went to a really big company that had a lot of money that could buy other people out. Right. Yeah. So one of the patents they bought was from a woman named Lizzie Maggie? Lizzie Maggie, who they paid $500. No, Lizzie. $500. No, no, no. For Lizzie. Yes. Very sad. Now, even to this day, as I mentioned, Hasbro does not recognize this history. OMG. Yeah. Ugh. They start the history of Monopoly in 1935. Okay, you don't even know the half of it, Lisa. The question here is why? Why don't they just make it seem like it's been around longer? Why don't they recognize this invention that she came up with back in 1904? That makes it even more of this homegrown American thing. It's older, right? Would they lose their rights to the patent? No, because they own her patent, technically. They bought the patent. So they own the Landlord's game, and they own the Charles Darrow game. But the one they mass-marketed is more similar to the Charles Darrow game. So why aren't they just making her a part of this whole game? 
Uh, is it just too expensive to to reprint the leaflets that tell the story? No, Lisa. <laughs> I have no idea, really. Why it's even you? more of a conspiracy than that. Mm. I'll tell you what's going she on. She was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> she was not murdered. Her thing, the entire point of Monopoly that she came up with was actually the complete opposite of what it was branded by by the Parker brothers in being super American. She was a Russian spy. <laughs> now, this, the twist is already out. <laughs> that was the twist. <laughs> she was making a game that was supposed to point out to people how land ownership is a bunch of bullshit that is only good for landowners and it sucks for the people who do not own land. It was sort of anti capitalistic. Or at least, yeah, concentrated capitalism. Yeah. Yes. So. Well, I don't know how, yeah, unchecked, I guess. I mean, think about Monopoly for a second. Think about how this works. You're sitting around playing Monopoly, right? Yeah. The rich you get roll the richer. Dice. Yes. <laughs> how do you get property in how do you get property in Monopoly? You buy it. Yes. And then how do you get more money in Monopoly? By having more properties and you get you can collect rent every time people go through. And right. And then it's just an uh, it's either an upward or downward spiral. That is yeah. the whole thing. But yeah. let's say you have a game of six being played. How many of those people are having fun collecting a bunch of money? A couple for a while, and then it eventually becomes a monopoly. Yes, yeah. right? And that is her point that she was trying to illustrate with this game, is that you can have six people playing this game, and it's supposed to be slow, and it's supposed to be drawn out, and it's supposed to even be boring. She wanted the other people to be bored, and the game... The whole thing that works is you develop your monopolies and you have fun as everyone else is slowly getting bored and slowly getting miserable, just slowly leaking their money and rent to the person who owns all of the land. And the game is supposed to be long and boring. Wow. And it is supposed to be un-American. It was supposed to be a way so of weird doing this wrong. she might have been a Russian spy. Maybe. Um, that's really, that is reminiscent though of Marx, right? He's like... You have to see the injustice and the inequality before you can rise up, seize the means of production. Right. Um, Lisa. Yes. I'm not even done with the twists and turns. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Do you have a question now? It sounded like you are about to ask another question. Oh. Um, no, I think I was just going to ramble on about how interesting her take is. But, yeah, keep going. Oh, well, so I'm going to give you more interesting. You're going to be more, way more interested in this second take. Anyway. I'm going to be even more interested. Yes. Wow. Because it's kind of like your little okay. thing. Going to buckle up. So it's actually not as Marxist at all as you would think her theory. Okay. Her theory comes from a very specific progressive economist by the name of Henry George. Oh, so this girl, like, she did her reading. Oh, she was an intellectual. She's from D.C., of course. She was like <laughs> a D.C. intellectual. She was sort of like a left-wing feminist type. And a wow. progressive. Now, DC. Let's talk about Henry George for a second. This is the the economist, the progressive economist. She mm -hmm. got her idea from. Okay. She was a huge follower, and they were called Georgists. Okay. To believe in his things, it's called Georgism. It's also called Geoism, and what he preached was a very interesting concept because it sounds super socialist up front, but it's actually not that socialist. If you like, dive deep into it, it's just more liberalish. Okay? okay. And what his big thing was mm. is that you shouldn't be taxing people for their labor for something that they do 
What we need to do is tax land that people own Mm. and that no one should be able to benefit from land ownership because land is so finite and so important for human existence that it is bullshit that people can get rich off of it. Well, they would hate our side. They would, which is why I kept <laughs> laughing about doing the research here, is that they would literally hate us for our Airbnb business. Yeah, they our would, whole, which took place in their hometown of D.C. <laughs> yeah, right? Our yeah. whole concept is Buy making money of off of rent. And just to be totally clear, like just to dive into this a little bit more, it's pretty complicated, and I wanted to have a short, fun episode, so I won't get too into it. But just to give you an example... Mm-hmm. All right, so here was this thing. It's called land value tax. So everyone was taxed their land based on an assessed value. Okay, yeah. now an example: New York City. If you buy a small plot of land and you build a skyscraper on that plot of land, yeah, right, you are benefiting from having enough money to build a skyscraper, and you're benefiting off of the existence of subways and infrastructure and roads that already exist. You're benefiting off of people already being in the area, already having customers there to fill your skyscraper. And he calls that undeserved profit because you're not doing anything. You just had the money. It was almost a natural monopoly because there's so many entries to like so many barriers to entry because you were rich enough to be able to build that skyscraper. Now you're benefiting off of society. So you should tax the shit out of that land rather than taxing the people who are using the, right? So if it's an office building and those people are doing their work, Mm -hmm. don't tax them. Don't income tax them. Tax the super rich baron who owns the skyscraper. And that way it's going to make you more money, make the city more money Mm -hmm. than just taxing the little people working. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just another form of checked capitalism, essentially. Yes. Yeah. And the other fun thing about it is that there's a lot of people that were very American or very westernized, I should say, because they're not all American. Uh-huh. People like Adam Smith. Yeah. Huge fan of land value tax. And he's, like, basically the reason we fought the Revolutionary War. Yeah. We but, also ha- I mean, we do have that now. I mean... We do to a certain extent. We don't have... Uh, we land, have <laughs> We have property tax. We don't have land value tax. There's a difference. But they do an assessment of the land and the value of the home, and then they determine the property tax. So we can get into it. There is a clear difference. You can Google it and read all about it. However, okay. it doesn't make great pod. Uh, okay. So we're not getting to get into an argument. But there are many... An economic <laughs> argument or whatever. <laughs> Discussion. Yes, but there are many modern-day economists that like it because apparently it is one of the most efficient taxes you can have. Um, if, what do you mean efficient? As in other taxes and other regulations. From you mean the like government. effective? No, efficient. Because what that means is something like um, the government forcing you to have a minimum wage is inefficient because it's going to do things like people are going like business owners are going to hire less people and raise prices. That's oh, inefficient. Okay. Oh, so it's a, like it's, it's a policy that achieves its objective very well and yes. directly. Yes. Huh. I believe it was Milton Friedman or one of those really famous economists referred to it as the least bad tax. Hmm. Which is interesting, again, because it's like, it's not like it's this is some totally socialist propaganda. But yeah. it's like a large portion of why she was left out of the history of Monopoly, Lizzie Maggie. 
because that is considered to be anti-American. Her, yeah, it was just it wasn't as American. It wasn't as easy to sell because she's trying to make this concept of gaining money and gaining value for yourself seem like a bad thing. I I suppose so, but um, no, I'm not going to say it. It'll be too political. Uh, But, no, maybe not. I will say this. 70% of Americans generally agree with that notion, actually. I think it's spun as like a Democrat versus Republican thing, but the large majority of Americans think that like ultra-wealthy should be taxed in some way to hold off their wealth. Of course, that is not specific to land value tax, but it's a similar concept in the sense that if you have an enormous amount of wealth, you have an enormous amount of advantage that allows you to continue to suck up resources from those around you, not because of your own greatness, but because you're benefiting from society. Right. And what you just brought up, I'm glad you brought it up because Uh it's a huge argument for doing land um, value taxing instead of taxing income. Because those super wealthy, what do they do when we raise taxes? What are the, where do they put their money? Um, well, in a state trust. Offshore. Oh, well, yeah. Right? They're hiding it in freaking Luxembourg. You can't hide a plot of land in New York City in Luxembourg. But you can hide a shitload of money in Panama. You can't hide land that you own. So it is, again, more efficient because you're taxing land and the value rather than taxing money, which can be hidden in all sorts of loopholes in our system and all sorts of shit like that. It's another huge argument for Georgism. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, if we have more time on a different, when we have a little more, you know, time and we're not as like, uh, just did a four episode saga or whatever, maybe we could do a whole episode on land value tax. We could do that. This is kind of a history podcast, not an economic podcast, though, so yeah, might, might be a little out of we place. We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we, you guys are still listening to us. <laughs> when I, it's just funny, because when I was listening to these podcasts about Georgism, trying to figure out what it is, yeah, I realized there's no good way to do an economic podcast. You know why? You're either an economist and no one knows what the hell you're saying, yeah. or you're not an economist and then you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. So it's not really – you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, it's true. Maybe we should pivot all together and just do one on beer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let's just go to beer <laughs> The history of beer. Yeah. Um, that was it. That's all I want to talk about is Monopoly and it's sort of fun tie to American economics. I think that, that was a lovely little anecdote. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I think that's really – Quite interesting. From many angles, really. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, we found some good TV shows. Oh, are we we, uh, pivoting? Yeah, we're done. To pop culture? We're done. That's done. Just get a quick pop culture chat. Okay. Yeah, we've watched a couple, but we were just watching one of them that our friend Ellen, shout out to Ellen, I think this is like her 80th shot, (laughs) Um, she recommended Fleabag, um, which is, is it on Netflix? What are we no, watching? I think you watch it on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Um, really well done. Characters kind of like, you know, you have some sympathy for her, but she's kind of a shithead too. Just really good. But this last episode that we were just watching was pretty sad and depressing. So I went into this a little bit, a little bit bummed. But you brought me right back up with the Monopoly conspiracy. So thank <laughs> yeah. you for that. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting because it starts off as hard comedy, but it like slowly starts shifting to dark comedy. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, 
And then what else are we watching? We're watching second season of Mindhunters. Which has been great so far. Which I think we referenced before or something about the FBI techniques. Um, But yeah, there's a fun, they, part of, I'm not going to go into it again, but the show, a, a huge element is watching FBI agents interview serial killers trying to determine patterns in their behavior, what caused them to do what so they can profile them and ideally, you know, stop future killers. Um, and they, they are, I didn't realize this right at the beginning, but they go to painstaking lengths to have the serial killers, they're real historical people. And they, the people that portray them are like, they do all this makeup on them and they try to make them as similar to the actual serial killer as possible. So you can really be like, this might've been what it was like to interview Charles Manson. Um, so it was, that is really cool. I've been enjoying that a lot. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then what's our third? I feel like there's another one. Hard Knocks, baby girl. Hard Hard Knocks. knocks. (laughs) Gotta be watching Hard Knocks. Yeah. I never watched sports news. Um, This is sports news. No, no, no. I wasn't done with my my riveting story. Um, I never watched sports news. But it's funny because when you watch Hard Knocks, they like reference the news. And they're like, I know a lot of people are talking about this. Or like, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then I just today, actually, I turned and saw something on the screen uh, at work. And it was referencing Antonio Brown's helmet controversy that they talk about in the show. And I was like, oh, I actually know about that. That guy's really funny. It's interesting. It's one of those, like, it's in the news because it was on Hard Knocks. And it was on Hard Knocks because it was on the news. Ooh. Big chicken and the egg. That's right. You know, the the football or the helmet. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. 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 (laughs) Yeah. But no, it's been good. It's been a good story. Oh. I'm, I remember the other show that you're going to be embarrassed that I'm talking about that we watched. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, yeah well, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that into this show. You know, it's just whatever. It's whatever. All right. Also, our friend Ellen gave us another hot wreck. Uh, it's called, it's MTV show. It's called Are You the One? Um, and it's just total trash reality TV. But we just, we were tired on a Sunday and we just started it and then we could not stop. And... Long story short, it's about people in a house trying to find their perfect match. They've been match made up. And this season is um, sexually fluid individuals. So they everyone on the show is in, interested in both men and women. So they have so many variables to account for when they're trying to figure out who their good match is. Um, and it's just hilarious. I don't know why I have to be so binary about it. It's men and women and anyone in between who identify as various. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yes. Not woke. <laughs> no, I guess I'm not woke. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I guess I'm just in it for the game show, really. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Um, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about that because I don't think anyone listening to this watches and is interested in anything else I have to say. But if you want some trashy TV show that is uh, hard to stop watching. Don't you sell yourself short, all right? Sell myself short. You know, people are listening. They might want to check out this show. All right, if you want trashy, riveting TV, check out Are You the One? Sure. I would recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Way to wrap us up. That was good pop pop culture talk. It's been about a month or so. It has been. You've really skipped yeah. over it. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome for updating you on the, on the happenings mm-hmm. in the TV world. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that college football, the greatest season of sports ever made ever, kicks off, well, the first real game, 7 p.m. this Saturday, Florida versus the U. All right? Ooh, that's a good one. Big. Big time team of jams. All right. Let's All get right. out of here, Lise. Let's get out. My name's Steve. I'm a history teacher. My name's Lisa. And I married him. <laughs>